Welcome to the Bougie in a Backpack podcast. I'm Mackenzie from Travel Hacks Mac. I'm Angel Trin from the Pennywise Traveler. And today we're talking about something that's very important to all of us, how we approach booking flights with points and different hacks that we have in order to book the best flights and make sure we're getting a good deal. We're going to talk about different ways to book flights today and what kind of different tools we have. And we have an exciting thing to announce. So make sure you stay until the end of the episode. Yeah, so I think like what I do to start typically is if there's a flight and there's a certain date I want to take it or if I'm like messing around, I just start with Google Flights and just see what what is the cash price and see like what because I, I mean, if the cash price is good immediately, it's like, OK, I'm just going to book it if it's a good cash price. But I like to at least see on Google Flights like what is out there and then like mess with the dates and see like, oh, maybe this date has more demand than other dates. So maybe I should focus on these dates or if, or maybe this destination looks like it's going to be pretty crazy this time. Maybe I don't want to go there. So what do you, what about you? Yeah, I think Google flights is a good way to start just because you can pin out like what the cash price is and get an approximate. There's also, I I believe Google flights has this option where you can do like Google flights to pretty much like everywhere. So it'll pinpoint like the top. Yeah. See, like if you're just looking for a cheap place to go to that will show you your different options and stuff of where to go and everything so i think that's a, definitely a good start i usually do that too if i see a, a cheap cash deal i might just pay um cash for right outright instead of using miles and stuff for my miles i usually prefer to use them when i travel internationally just because i see better redemptions mm-hmm. that way for domestic ones because i have a lot of southwest points i'm fine with using southwest and connecting usually i try like 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 i said i usually try to connect in a place that has a lounge <laughs> like denver <laughs> so, so like i take advantage of that to get like the free dinner on the way there so yeah i mean honestly i actually you definitely get more value out of using your points internationally but i tend to use them a lot domestically because a lot of domestic flights are just really expensive. Like sometimes it'll be, it just doesn't make sense. Like it'll be $600 to fly a round trip to Europe in economy, or it'll be $600 to fly like to, a two hour flight in the US. So like in those instances, I'd rather use points because usually you can find a point deal where it's like 10,000 each way, like, or less um, for those type of flights that might be like $600. So a lot of times I actually do use points for um, for domestic. for domestic flights, but I'll, I'll start if I see on Google Flights that it's crazy and it's a flight I have to take and it's like a certain weekend I need to be somewhere like a wedding or I need to there's like some like some event I'm going to. I you typically will start with Google Flights and if the prices are bananas, then I, then we got to start doing some other methods using points. No, I definitely agree. There's been t- situations where, like, I actually did this trip to Asheville when I used to live in New York. It was, like, I think 7,500 points or so out of with Avianca, but then the cash price was, like, six or $700. And then I booked it literally wow. with um, Avianca, and there was a uh, transfer bonus on American Express. So it was actually cheaper to book with points and stuff. So I've done that, too, but I usually try to, like, save those points me preferably to just to have for international trips if i can or if i use my chase points those are mostly for hyatt just because like i have mm-hmm. hyatt globalists and then like i use that for hotels more but usually i would say most of my american express points are for um flights and most of my chase points are used for hyatt hotel that's how i usually do my yeah my stuff yeah that's how i do mine too and especially with avianca that's like my biggest use for my city points is avianca and and Am- I use my Amex points a lot for that. And I don't feel like, because I have a couple options there, I don't know. I feel like I have more 
opportunities to use Avianca. I don't feel like they're at, it's not like American Airlines miles where I'm like holding on to them for dear life. Because <laughs> American Airlines miles, you can only earn them from co-branded cards or if you earn enough points with built and you can transfer them over. That's the only way you can earn American Airlines miles. But like, you know, Avianca, you have all these different avenues or British Airways, you have all these different avenues for earning those points. So I just kind of think of them like different kinds of value. But, but at the same time, Chase, like I'd rather transfer. I know like Chase is my only connection to Hyatt besides a Hyatt co-branded card or earning through staying at Hyatt. So it's like a similar thing there. It's like a, or earning enough points with built and transferring them. Yeah. I I would say the same thing. I, my, we both have American airline status, but I usually try to save my American airline miles just because like those, you can't transfer them to, I mean, you could with Marriott, like, like a three to one ratio, but it's very bad. (laughs) So I don't recommend that route. I've had people, like, I know people that have done it before because there was a transfer bonus on Chase or Amex for Marriott and stuff, but I usually don't recommend that unless you, you really have to do that American airlines redemption. You really have to pinpoint the math to see like, does it make sense taxes wise? points wise to do the Marriott to um, American Airlines but I usually don't do that just no. because it's like it's it's not really good most of the time but um yeah I would say most of my points like American Express and um, City and Capital One are mostly reserved for airlines versus Chase is mostly for Hyatt I mean I have used my Chase points for um, for British Airways before when they had a transfer bonus but I would say most of my Chase points are exclusively to stay with Hyatt I mean, I transferred them elsewhere before, but they're mostly just for Hyatt for the most part. To clarify, when we were talking about um, Avianca, when we're talking about flying Avianca domestically, we're flying on United. So because Avianca is part of Star Alliance, if you transfer, if there's availability with Avianca, the the flights are fewer points if you can find availability on Avianca's website and you can fly United. So like United will have the same flight for like, 15,000 minimum, like sometimes it's like 30,000, like United miles to fly that same flight. And then on Avianca, it'll be like 6,000, like 7,000, a lot less points. Yeah. And Avianca tends to have a lot of transfer bonuses. So there's actually one, I believe, going on with, right now with American Express for Avianca. I know that City had one not too long ago as well. And so did Kappa One, I believe, for Avianca. So it tends mm-hmm. to have a lot of transfer bonuses. That's why I use Avianca too. But um, yeah, like I would say most of my flights with um, are mostly with um, the other banks and Chase is mostly Hyatt hotels for me. Mm-hmm. So and then so after looking when we're booking flights, like after looking at Google Flights and seeing what's all out there, another tool that can be really helpful for figuring out like what like w- which airline should you even be looking at if there's a certain destination you want to go to? Because maybe you don't want to fly out of your home airport. Maybe you can like tweak some things around. And a really helpful website for that is Flight Connections. So on Flight Connections, you can put in different, you can put in your destination, see what flights will fly directly there. And that can kind of help you narrow down, okay, maybe I should look at this airline or this alliance and see what kind of options there are. Um, you can look at it by alliance or by airline, and you can see, you know, if there's two connections away or if there's one connection, especially especially helpful for international flights because there's some international cities that only have a few airlines that fly to them. So, for example, um, when I was in Thailand, Chiang Mai, I was spent a lot of time in Chiang Mai, and if you wanted to fly to Thailand directly to Chiang Mai, there's only the only international flights to Chiang Mai 
that were like reasonable or from either from Singapore or um, Taipei. So you would have you were kind of stuck with either flying Singapore Airlines or um, or I I think uh, EVA 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 is that what it yeah what is that EVA? that's that's yeah, it's the green one. As, like, yeah, is that what you call it? EVA or I think Eva? so. It's I don't like know. Eva, it's on capital. Yeah, yeah, Eva, it's that one. Eva. I don't know. But those were the only two options. So, um, but if you flew into Bangkok instead, like, so if you're using flight connections, you'd say, oh, pretty much every alliance flies into Bangkok. So what you could do instead is route your flight to Bangkok and then just get like a cheap flight within the country to Chiang Mai, which is like thirty dollars or something. So like. Basically, you can open up a lot more options by arming yourself with this knowledge before you start your flight, your your flight search. And that kind of goes for for cash flight searches as well as point searches, because if you were to, if you're trying to fly directly to Chiang Mai and you were stuck with only one alliance that would fly all the way there on the same. And the, the other thing is you could connect in Bangkok, but the only most most of the good airlines, the cheap airlines that fly from Bangkok to Chiang Mai are all, like, more expensive than the cheap ones. And then, so you're stuck with, like, the one, like, I think Bangkok Airways would be your only option. And you'd have to fly Star Alliance for it to all connect that way. So, anyway, but like, basically, the, the, the fewer options you have, the more expensive the flight's going to be. So, if you can open up your options by seeing how many flights go into that country and, like, what are the other flights that are happening in that country you can really start to to finagle some things to get some better cash deals and some point deals. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. If you're looking for specific aircraft and stuff, so that flight connections is good for that too. Because I know that, like, let's oh, say yeah. like you're trying to fly, like, say, like New York from LAX, like, and you want a seven eighty seven because you want a life flat. I mean, there you go, right? Because not every single seat mm-hmm. is life flat on American Airlines. Right. So that's a very easy one to like think of, too, just for domestically. Also, if you're flying like on Qatar Airlines and you want a Q suite, you want to double check the aircraft to make sure where you're going is actually that flight that you have that has a Q suite. Because not every single Q, um, Qatar Airlines flight is that's in business class is a Q suite. So you want to double check your flights and stuff. So I definitely agree with that that too just um and again you can start off with like google flights so google flights also it's good if you want to see like what other cash flights are out there so like this is especially important in europe because in europe there's a lot of budget airlines so like sometimes paying for budget airline i actually did this research the other day because i still need to buy my flight from um paris to rome for my my boat cruise it's like what 40 bucks for cash but then like on the miles it's like fifteen thousand. so i was like well it's only four dollars cash I'm as well flying a budget airline and like I'll survive. It's only yeah. a few hours to go there versus transferring out 15,000 points to Air France to book the flight and taxes. So you kind of have to do the math if it makes sense or not just to see like what your different options are. And definitely Google flights is a good way to start that out with flight connections. It's good to double check your aircraft. If you're flying a specific product that you want. You want to double check if you're in like, let's say like you're American airlines like us, we have status of American airlines. If we have like a, like, I know this happens on executive platinum and platinum pro, but you can switch your time to fly out. Right. So like, let's say like you're trying to f- catch the 787 flight, but you bought a cheaper flight that's on a Neo bus. But if there's room on the other one and you have a chance of getting upgraded, you're going to switch to the other one because it has a better seat. So it's, it's all this kind of like knowing the system and seeing which option works best for you. But you have to double check the flight if it has an aircraft you want, because not every single American Airlines flight 
has a lie flat seat. So you want to double check what options you have out there too. Yeah, that's very true too. It can be really helpful for, especially we talked a little bit about how we like to fly. We like to book American airline flights using British Airway Avios, especially if we're flying domestic. And something that's really helpful for this is a website called the Great Circle Mapper. So this is a website that shows you, you put a point of where your airport is and it draws a big circle depending on how many miles you put as the radius. And it shows you what other cities are in that area. And that's like, you're probably wondering like, who cares? Well, this is really helpful because there are some airlines that are just, that use distance-based award charts and some, like some examples of British Airways they can make a big difference if you know what the distance is. So, so some airlines are distance based, which means it depends on how exactly how many mile radius they're flying. Some some airlines are region based, which means you know you're flying from the U.S. to Asia, it's one price, or East Asia one price, South Asia another price, or like Europe one price. Um, and these are all for points I'm talking about. And then some airlines are just dynamic pricing, which means it can be whatever. Like sometimes it follows the price of the cash booking and sometimes it does not follow the price of the cash booking at all. So there's like two different kinds of dynamic there too. So it can be really confusing and, and, um, great circle mapper can help a lot with the, with navigating the distance based award charts and figuring out if that is what makes sense for you. Yeah, I definitely agree. So an easy one for a great circle mapper, kind of we just said it's like British Airways. So that's a transfer partner for both American Express and for Chase. So for that one specifically, let's say like you want to fly to a specific region, but you want to stay within the 7,500 points. You can see what where it takes you of how far you want to go for 7,500 points. Because after you reach a certain distance, you have to pay more based on distance chart. Um, sorry, based on the award chart for British Airways. And then next you have the distance base. So let's say like you want to go to Tokyo and you're flying American Airlines. American Airlines for international flights, they tend to be more of the region based. So if you fly from US from, let's say, New York to Tokyo or you fly LAX to Tokyo, it might be the same price because of the region price versus like if you book the same flight on British Airways, which is the same alliance as um, American Airlines on One World, it will be way more expensive because that one's based on a distance based versus like that one on American Airlines more region based. So you want to double check of how far the distance is, what the different prices are to see where you want to go. And then another one that you want to think about is the dynamic pricing. So dynamic pricing is kind of kind of sometimes linked to cash prices of what they want to charge. So for Southwest, that's an easy example. Like Southwest is dynamic pricing. So whatever they want to charge is whatever the cost of the flight. You can kind of think of this kind of like the Chase bank portal. Sorry, the Chase. Yeah, the Chase or the Amex or Capital. Oh, bank yeah. Portal. That's an easy way to think about this is like they charge whatever cash rate it is, whatever they want to charge is whatever, like it's usually linked to cash prices. So you think of like American Express, your points are only worth one cent in the portal, right? So like your, 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 your points are t technically like whatever that's based on the portal versus if you double check on American Airlines website, it might be cheaper or you check on British Airways, it might be cheaper just because their, their prices are not directly linked to the cash price for the bank versus for, um, what's it called? The, the bank portals is worth whatever that the bank wants to charge. So it's like your points are worth only one cent in American express. So it's linked to that versus, and then you think about Southwest, it's dynamic price, same thing where they charge whatever they want to charge. Sometimes it's kind of like correlates to the, um, the flight that they, they're selling cash value wise. So you, it kind of depends on where you want to go and what's the best option for you. 
Yeah, and it's like it's a little confusing with Southwest compared to so like for example, Delta also has dynamic pricing when it comes to points, but with like so with Southwest, if the price if the cash price is higher, then the points price is automatically higher. But then with someone like Delta, sometimes the cash price is high and like the Delta miles are lower, even though it's dynamic, like it can go up and down. But with Southwest, it, it like directly correlates to the price of the flight. Yeah. I would say Southwest and Delta, for the most part, they directly correlate. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes Southwest, I've done the math before for my Seattle flight from um, LAX. It was actually cheaper to book it. Um, ca- I'm sorry, the other way. Sometimes it varies. Sometimes it was cheaper to book it for the cash price versus the um, the points price. But I did the math in my head like to calculate which one was yeah. cheaper and stuff. But for the most part, I just booked it with points just because like I have a lot of Southwest points from referrals and stuff. So I just made more sense to do it that way. And then I compare the price that I had for the Southwest flight if it was cheaper if I used um, British Airways. So British Airways, I think it's like around 9,000 points to go from um, from LAX to Seattle. But then when I checked Southwest, because they had a special promotion that I was buying the flight from, they had a special promotion literally a few weeks ago from California where you had a promo code to get discounted flights, flights leaving out of California for Southwest. So I used that code and it was actually cheaper for me to book on Southwest that way. So like I, I usually book Southwest like for flights when I'm either bringing someone for a companion or when they have a special deal going on, or if I want a backup flight, just because if I know if I cancel that flight, the, the miles and points will go straight back to my Southwest account. So there's no cancellation fee versus if you fly different airlines, depending what airline it is, I think British Airways they charge a cancel fee. I know American airlines, they don't have a cancel fee, but depending on the airline, they might charge you a cancel. Fee. Air Canada does. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. like a lot of them, I mean, I, I can't Avianca does. <laughs> Yeah, well, basically I, I all the ones that have all the ones that like basically all the ones that have really good distance based award availability, those ones like you have to watch out because like we were talking about like, oh, yeah, we love booking Avianca, but like watch out for the fees because if you do it, like only book it if you know that you're going to fly it, because if you have to change it, you usually have to pay a fee. And it's like sometimes it's fifty dollars, sometimes it's like hundred fifty dollars. So, yeah, so, <laughs> that's so like it's a give and take. Can, yeah. So you hear what Mackenzie's saying, like if you're not, if you're for sure about your plans, you avoid the change and the cancellation fees. Those are two separate fees, by the way. So you might get charged for both, you know, depending on yeah. what you're doing and stuff. So like, um, if you're if you're for sure gonna take that flight, then Avianca British Airways might be for you, because like you know you can use that if not, if we're kind of like having a plan b like i am sometimes because i don't know if i can go for sure yet i'm not sure if i get pto approved i might have stuff coming down the pipe where i'm not sure if i can make that flight for sure it might be a last minute trip but if southwest is having a sale and i'm going to book that flight and there's a promo code going on then i want to book that flight with the miles that i have in southwest because if i cancel the flight the miles and points will go straight back to my southwest account and i won't have a cancellation fee so you want to be strategic of how you want to book your flights and everything yeah and I think it's I think it would be also an interesting comparison talking about the the distance versus region um like being strategic there we both flew to Japan earlier this year and so I booked using American Airlines miles and I was flying from New York to Tokyo so that flight was 60,000 American Airlines miles and it would have been 60,000 from anywhere in the US so I chose to go from like the most furthest part in the US to go to Tokyo because it was like it was going to be the same miles either way and it was like the longest flight I could do also it's where I I was on the east coast so I just worked it out that I would be over there but Angel did something kind of crafty with her flight using distance instead of region 
So because Seattle and Tokyo are in the same region, so it was actually cheaper for me to fly out of Seattle than LAX to get to Japan with A&E on Air Canada. So it was actually cheaper for me to fly to Tokyo that way. So I did a... Um, a positioning flight. So you a positioning flight, for those that don't know, you catch another flight to take your other flight that you want. So I positioned myself from LAX to um, Seattle. So LAX to Seattle on British Airways. That was like, I think like 9,000 points. And then I'm trying to remember how much I paid. I, ha- I had to double check of how much I paid from to fly out of from Seattle to Tokyo, but it was cheaper than LAX because of based on the distance on Air Canada, it was cheaper because they're in the same region for me to fly out of that way. So it kind of depends. It kind of depends on what you're doing and stuff to see um, which is a be- better redemption-wise. But um, from a distance chart, Air Canada made more sense to fly out of um, Seattle than LAX because it was cheaper that way, based on the distance because it was the same region. Yeah, and so you used you used Air Canada to fly A and A. Yes, so I used Air Canada okay. to fly A and A for business, and then I used um, British Airways to fly Alaska to um to get to seattle from lax because the southwest price it was like i had to connect in southwest so i didn't want to risk it for a positioning flight to like connect and stuff already because i'm already connecting already for the positioning flight and i was the positioning flight i gave myself like i think three and a half hours or so to, to position but i would say like try to give yourself at least a few hours like three and a half to be safe or so or it depends on your risk to- tolerance but for me, I gave myself three and a half hours to position and stuff just because you never know if things go wrong. I mean, there's always mm-hmm. something can always happen with the weather. You never know. So I gave myself enough buffer time to feel comfortable with because then, like, you have to remember if you miss that other big flight. So I flew one world. So I flew one world from LAX to Seattle. That was on British Airways. So that was through Alaska. And I flew on a different alliance when it was from ANA on Star Alliance to get, and I used Air Canada to fly to Tokyo. But because those alliances are different, they're not going to have that much sympathy for me. They're like, well, like, you weren't even flying us from LAX to Seattle anyway. You were flying one world and you missed that flight. And then, you're trying to get sympathy to change your flight that's that's on 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 star alliance versus you flew one world to get here it's 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 harder for them to be sympathetic if you're on a different alliance because they don't have mm-hmm. really an agreement if they're in the same alliance they kind of have an agreement if you miss your flight or if something goes wrong so this actually happened to me when i was in um and in, in what's it called i was flying back from the maldives actually and i had to connect so i had to connect in dublin so what happened was that that was a one world flight where i had a guitar and i had to fly Aer Lingus from dublin to, back to um to philadelphia but that flight ended up being canceled because there was a disruption at the dublin airport so all the flights from Aer Lingus were getting canceled and stuff there was something wrong with the technology there so i actually had to fly back on american airlines so Aer Lingus and american airlines are both part of one world but you can imagine how they were sympathetic. They let me fly on a different airline to get back versus like if you did something differently where something got messed up wrong, they're less sympathetic because it's like, well, it's not really their alliance that has an issue. So you had to be mindful of that. So like I flew from Maldives. So I flew from Doha to Dublin on Qatar business, I believe. And then from the way back, it was like supposed to be Aer Lingus from Dublin to Philadelphia. But I ended up switching to American Airlines a few days later just because um, they had the, the te- technology issue where I actually had to file for EU-261 because of that because I was delayed. <laughs> oh, so, like, it was oh, yeah, that was mess. crazy. It was another mess in itself. But um, that one oh, – also, American Express got back to me. They are like, oh, yeah, we don't cover technology problems if 
if that happens. So they were, American Express was like, no, <laughs> we're not covering wow. that. So like, um, just be mindful of that if stuff like that happens. So you never know if anything happens for a mishap and stuff, you know, like luckily I was able to get some money from EU 261, but you never know. So like if you're trying to position for you to go out of somewhere, give yourself enough time. Sometimes I position the day before. So like when I took my cruise that was out of, um, Florida, I I flew in the day before just to play it safe because I didn't want to miss it. Like f- like fly into Miami and then like if I flew the same day, if the if the flight got messed up or so, like you just never know. Sometimes the last time I flew out of um, Florida before too, um, this is on the way back from Puerto Rico. The flight that I wanted actually got delayed a few hours and stuff. But imagine you gave yourself two or three hours to make your positioning and then you missed that flight because your flight got delayed. So you never know. Like it's based on your risk tolerance of how much you want to take if you want to take advantage of that. But I I took that risk for that distance-based flight for A&E. That's what I did. But, I mean, again, yeah. it's up to your risk tolerance of how much you want to do or not. Yeah, that's that's a very good point because, yeah, it's not like you could just cancel and, and get your money back. Like, sometimes you can. I don't know. And it depends on some credit cards. We'll definitely do a whole thing on this. But, like, the different protections on different credit cards are totally different. Sometimes you you should get extra travel insurance on top of that. But, yeah, you definitely need to know, like – there's a risk and there's also a risk they'll change your aircraft and you've like booked the perfect business class flight. Like this is, I mean, we take advantage and save like thousands of dollars on these flights, but there's, you know, things do go wrong. So, um, we try to be honest about that. <laughs> yeah. You never know for that. EU two sixty. I never thought I would have to file for EU two sixty one. Like I never thought yeah, I like, would I'm not to. European. <laughs> like I never thought I would have to that, but then my flight and I'm getting messed up in Dublin and I didn't expect that going in there. If I knew that I was going to go in there, I would never have connected in Dublin. I would have connected from somewhere else, you know, like, but I didn't know. So sometimes you just don't know, like, you know, like you, you just want to be mindful of all the different risks that you wanted to, wanted to take and stuff. So I took that risk for, um, that flight that was um, out of A&A for business out of Seattle because there wasn't availability and I didn't feel like flying economy. <laughs> it sounds so bougie. I didn't feel like flying out of economy out of LAX to go to Japan, but there was a business class no. seat out of Seattle. So I just took the advantage of that and it was slightly cheaper from the award chart based as well. So even if I flew Air Canada out of LAX, I would pay more. So I, even with the positioning flight, it was cheaper out of Seattle. So like this is all risk based of how much you're willing to, tolerate and stuff again like things can happen i got stuck in europe for in dublin for a few days because of eu 261 where like all the stuff for Aer Lingus was down for the it and stuff i didn't expect that to happen you know like you never know if things like that happen and if you have a positioning flight then that might mess up you know so it's all based on how much you're willing to save and how much like how much you're willing to save points wise and money wise, how much risk tolerance you have. The distance based flight might be cheaper, but then again, do you want to risk something if something happens with the weather where the flight gets messed up or something like EU two sixty one happens? You just never know what can happen to your flight. So again, it's all based on your risk if you're willing to pay more just to have that added protection. So like let's say like I took that flight out of LAX and then that flight got like delayed and stuff. Then I could have waited a few days because then like I'm LA LAX based. But then if I was Seattle based then I would have to like file with Amex or Chase and say like hey my flight got delayed. I booked this flight with miles and points and then like file that whole thing for a trip delay or trip interruption cancellation depending on what I was doing. So it all depends on how much risk tolerance you want to have for your flights and stuff. Yeah, I actually, it's funny because I actually did a positioning flight for my Tokyo flight, but I, I was, I was very 
smart about it. So, well, it was, I still risked it for the biscuit a little bit, but what I did was my flight was at like 1230 PM and I took a flight. I was in Charlotte. So I, okay. So I was trying to find, I changed my flight like three times, my, this business class flight. And, um, I was flying from, I ended up being in Charlotte for something. And, um, so I, I booked a flight on British Airways from Charlotte to JFK at like 5 a.m. <laughs> like, so it landed at like 7 a.m. Or maybe it was, maybe it was 6 a.m. or something. Like it was very early flight, but it was on British Airways. So I was flying American Airlines. You know, I got my little upgrade. Actually, no, I didn't. I, um, I got my, I was able to move up to premium economy because you get to do that um, on, uh, if you have gold status. But um, I was on the flight and I was like, you know, once I was on the flight, I was like, all right, I'm good. But I was thinking in my head, I was like, if for some reason this flight got delayed, I could cancel my American Airlines flight and still get all the points back. However, the risk was if I did that, there probably wouldn't be a business class flight available that I could rebook to because like business class availability is just low. And then at that point I was like, well, I'll just be in New York and I'll just have to book an economy flight. Like there's definitely gonna be economy availability. I actually booked homeboy on an economy flight cause he was flying, he was flying out of Charlotte too. So I, and there was no routing through New York. So I just routed him through Dallas. So we were on two totally different flights and then mine ended up getting delayed in, in, um, in New York, it got delayed, which was fine. I was like, keep me on this plane longer. That's fine. So yeah, you, I mean, you can like, there's ways to work it out, but there's other risks. Like, yeah, if my, if I did get my points back, I might, or if your flight gets, if your flight changes and you're on a business class flight, you might like end up having your only choice to get home sometimes might be economy. So like, I don't know, or you could get upgraded. Like I did when we went to Puerto Rico, I got upgraded to first class and then they deplaned us and put me on a new flight. And then my new flight, I wasn't first class anymore. So because they just didn't have any seats. Like they would have put me in it, but they didn't have any seats. So yeah, there's, I don't know. There's a lot that goes into it, but, um, who, who else thinks Mackenzie only went to Charlotte just to go to American Express lounge. Who else thinks that? I think so. I think that that was the only reason why she connected in Charlotte. I don't yeah, but was. actually, but guess what? The Char in Charlotte, the, the Centurion lounge wasn't open yet. So I had to go to the club, the CLT <laughs> club, which isn't bad. CLT club isn't bad, but yeah, but don't worry. I went to the Centurion in in JFK, and then I went to um, oh, for Japan Airlines. You go to the Air France Lounge, um, which is right by the which is right by the uh, the gate for the Air France Lounge in JFK. Is like <laughs> it's okay. Well, it's one, fine. I had a white claw there. <laughs> like well, <that> <laughs> like <laughs> they don't have a bartender. They have white claws. But that one is because that's priority pass too, right? So it's like anyone could enter that one, isn't it? Air France oh no, that the. If you're flying Japan Airlines business class out of JFK, at least yeah. for me, they put me, they said, oh, you can go to the Air France lounge. And I was like, oh, okay. And, but I had extra time, but there's other lounges you can go to. Already pass anyway, I think Air France. I'm yeah, it, it is. I would have had access anyway. Even if I was flying economy, yeah. I would have had access, so but there's other, yeah. there's better lounges. You can go, the Centurion lounge in JFK is great, um, but it's kind of far. It might be far from your gate. So you just have to time it right. Yeah, you just have to time. I, I, and, and again, this is another risk, too, that we can talk about. <laughs> when, when you're taking positioning flights, be mindful if you have to go to a different terminal and if you have to go through security again. So, like, I remember when I flew JetBlue out of JFK, 
and I went to Centurion Lounge. Those are two different places, and I had to go through security twice. So the same thing that um, yeah. I actually did this with Amanda too. So when I was flying out of um, Centurion Lounge, sorry, out of LAX to go to Denver, Centurion Lounge is out of Tom Bradley, and there's no underground connection to get to Terminal One where Southwest is. So we had to go through security twice and walk 20 minutes to go from Tom Bradley to Terminal One. So just keep yeah. that in mind. Depending on your airport, make sure you map it out. See how far the terminals are and everything. You can get a general idea from your flight and stuff. I think um, is it Flight Aware? I, I think that's the name of the website that tells you the different gates and stuff. Sometimes with your flights and stuff, where you can map it out and stuff and everything. But I would just use that as clues to see like where the gate leaves sometimes and stuff to figure out like how far oh, yeah. the distance the distance is and everything else like that. Again, this comes with risk. If you're positioning somewhere and then the terminal is very far, like kind of like how I was at um, Southwest and then from Tom Bradley, if you positioned a different flight from there, like let's say you were trying to fly Southwest from SFO to LAX and then take a like a flight from LAX to like, let's say Frankfurt. But then the, you had to go through security again. And then this also pays in attention if you checked in a bag or not. If you're doing a positioning flight, I, I would say most of the time, just pay more for the carry-on fee if they charge you. Like I know that um, United, for example, you had to pay for a carry-on fee. And so does JetBlue now. Sometimes it's just worth it just to pay the carry-on fee. Just because it's like if you're doing a positioning flight and your bag gets stuck, you never know. So for me, I, I actually, this happened to me in Orlando. So I had a, JetBlue and American Airlines, they don't have a relationship anymore for the Alliance thing. But I didn't want to pay for a carry-on bag. But luckily, I was going home. So from my flight from Orlando to LAX, the flight got, the, the, the bag that I had got stuck in Orlando. But can you even imagine if you're doing a positioning flight from Orlando to LAX and you checked in a bag and then the f- bag got stuck there? Like, and you're doing a positioning oh flight? Oh my gosh, then- yeah. If you're doing a positioning flight, do never ever check a bag. That will never y- work. Yeah. Like, try But also check- make sure that you, make sure they don't check your bag for, like, make sure you don't, like, do the thing that we do on, on Spirit where we, like, try to sneak in bags. Like, you really don't want to do that because they might make you check one of them. And then you'd be screwed. <laughs> you just never know. So, like, if, if if that happened to me, if I was leaving out of Orlando to LAX and LAX to somewhere else, let's say I was trying to go to Japan again, and I checked in a bag because I was being, like, you know, trying to save money because um, I had American Airlines Platinum Pro at the time. So with Platinum Pro, you get up to three free check bags, and I didn't want to pay for a carry-on fee versus I had a free check bag. But because I was going home, I was like, you know what? It's fine. It's whatever. Like, I don't mind. And then, you know what happened? That bag got stuck in Orlando. But luckily, I was going home to LA, so I had toiletries at home. But can you imagine if you're coming from Orlando and you're trying to do a positioning flight to LAX, and then you're trying to go to somewhere else like Europe or Japan or wherever you're trying to go, and then the bag got stuck in Orlando? Like, your stuff is stuck there. Like, you know, it's very hard for the alliance, especially if you're flying on different lines like JetBlue, who doesn't have a relationship with American Airlines anymore. It was trying to take American Airlines flight from LAX to Tokyo, for example. And now they don't have a relationship anymore. They're going to be less nice to you because you're not flying with their partner to take your bag for you. Like, you would have to work with JetBlue to see how you would get your bag if you, they would have to mail it for you or however they would give you the, your bag and stuff that got stuck and everything. So you just never know sometimes. So I would say, like, always be mindful of what you're doing and stuff. And this actually happened to me the other day. I, I'm kind of annoyed by this. <laughs> But I'll say it anyway. So I, I, I actually had to take a positioning flight to catch my Paris flight. That's $240 to get to Europe for my cruise and stuff. 
So I, I had a JetBlue credit from that delayed that, that bag delay. They gave me like around $200 or so. So I used that money to buy from my LAX to JFK flight. And because American Airlines and JetBlue don't have a relationship anymore, I actually have to pay for a bag now. But then I was like, you know oh, what? No. Like, <laughs> like, you know, I was like, you know what? You know, they, they, they had an alliance before, like, and everything. So that bag would have been free. But then I thought about it. You know what? I'll pay the extra $30. I mean, even for me, I don't even want to pay the $30. But I have to pay the $30 to switch from sort of basic economy to the regular economy to get a free carry-on bag. And I thought about yeah. it. I was like, you know what? It's fine. I will take the risk, you know, like, versus, like, you know, checking in a bag. And it's the same price to check in a bag versus a carry-on bag. And I was like, you know what? It's oh, fine. so you are going to pay for the carry-on. Well, because I thought about this. Do yeah, I want the, well. check bag, the check bag instead? Because no. the, check, the check bag, what happens if I buy souvenirs in Europe? What happens if I want to bring more stuff, you know? Then I would have to pay for another suitcase leaving from Paris or wherever I am from Europe then, you know? But then I thought about it. I was like, no, I don't need that for this specific trip, you know? Like, I would just keep it as is. And everything because I'm positioning myself here in a way to go to JF to go from um, Paris to um, JFK and stuff and vice versa. So I don't really need it that bad. But um, yeah, I thought about that too. I was like, I was kind of annoyed. I was like, I had to pay thirty dollars. It's the same price. Part of me wanted to just check in a bag. I was like, you know, it's better for me to just check in a bag. But because I'm positioning, I, I mean, I gave myself extra time where I'm taking a red eye, and then the flight leaves at five p.m., so I'm landing around seven a.m. So I'm probably gonna work out of an airport lounge just just to use that time frame and everything, like for for, for that. But I really thought about it. I was like, no, I should really get a checked bag. It's the same price. But then I thought about it to myself. It's so risky because <laughs> if that bag gets stuck, yeah. you just never well, know. You could always. If you wanted, if you want to do souvenirs and stuff, you could always just get a bag and check it on the but way back, and then like, <laughs> oh yeah. But I don't. Want to we don't pay want to pay for, for souvenirs it. either. Like I don't want to pay for that bag. Like this is like it's so funny because it's it's so true. I don't want to pay for that bag if I can. If it's the same cost for me to pay for a carry-on bag and a and a check bag, then I would pay for the check bag. But because I'm positioning, I I feel like it's too risky. I mean, I gave myself like five or six hours. That's more than enough time. But you never know. I've been stuck in um so this happened to me before, before from flying from LAX to JFK because I used to fly a lot. I used to live in New York by the way so I, I used to take a lot of flights from LAX to JFK all the time there's been times where you get stuck for like a whole day in, from LAX to JFK because the weather's so bad like I don't know what the mm-hmm. weather's gonna be like like what happens if that happens and then the I, I got rerouted to Chicago that one time where I got stuck for the weather and I had to take the flight the next day so what happens if that happens you know like I don't know if that bag is gonna get stuck in Chicago and then they end up giving me a bag a few days later because they switched me to a different flight so you just never know sometimes. So sometimes it's just best to pay, like, as much as I don't want to pay the money, <laughs> just to pay to have that bag with you just to avoid the um, the stress from the situation. Yeah, that's definitely true. So yeah. we do have a sneak peek for you guys. So we know that you guys really like the stacking challenge that we had back in June. So guess what? We're doing another one for you guys. Except this time, Yay! it's more flights and hotel based. So you're going to learn how to use your points with all of our different partners that we have. So we talked about a couple different tools that we like to use for finding flights and the most value out of our points and miles and different ways that we strategize. But in this challenge, we're going to talk about uh, even more tools and even more ways to get even better at travel hacking. So if you want to join, make sure you sign up in the link in our show notes. And this will be happening August 21st to August 25th. 
So feel free to sign up and we'll have, we're going to have live things every day. Uh, we don't want to give too much away at this point. So we know that you guys really like the stacking challenge that we had in June. There was giveaways if you tuned in live and stuff. So for this time around, we're doing with travel hacking with different airlines and hotel partners. So for this one, you definitely want to tune in live. There will be giveaways. So make sure you tune in live because you want to, we want you to, to learn in real time. And this challenge is designed for you guys to do activity, right? So like we will have like a different partner each day. So you definitely want to tune in for each different one or as much sessions as you want to tune in for, because we, I know that a lot of times that we had the um, second challenge from last time, a lot of you guys like the laugh component aspect because you got to talk to the founders and the tech people that are in charge of the tech of um, the different apps and stuff. This time around, we're also having some of the founders present as well. So you get real time like interaction with them as well. Yes. And also, if you guys are confused what we're talking about, the stacking challenge, maybe you joined us a little later in the game. We do still have the replays available for our stacking challenge. So if you want to do like extra homework before this challenge, you can do two challenges in a row. Um, you can check our replays out also in the show notes as well. Yeah, and our challenges are designed for, for you to get stuff happen in action. So just to give you some background, both me and Mackenzie spoke at Chicago seminars. So that conference alone was, I think it was like over $100 for the ticket. And then this challenge is free. And then you think about it, if you're going to Chicago seminars, you have to pay for the airplane ticket. You pay for the hotel. Meanwhile, we have a free challenge for you guys. So like take advantage of this challenge because you're going to interact with the different partners that we have for the challenge. There will be some giveaways. So make sure you tune in because we want you to learn quickly. For us, we had to pay for a conference versus like you guys, we're giving it to you guys for free. <laughs> so this is a free challenge. Yeah. So you definitely want to register and to learn more about everything. Yeah, this is like some of the partners we have. It's like a culmination of things that we took. It took us a long time to learn. And so we're going to just like inject all that into you right away. And then as long as you follow along into your homework, you can learn. We're going to basically we're going to take you from zero to hero in like five days. So you definitely want to join the challenge. This podcast was sponsored by Swagbucks. So we do have a special giveaway for you guys for this episode. So make sure you tag Bougie in a Backpack and Swagbucks Official if you leave a podcast rating and review. So a podcast rating is if you leave um, st like a star rating. So an example would be like five stars. And review is if you write something about the podcast. So it could be something very simple. Like if you like this episode, if you like a previous episode, it could be anything that you want. Or if you like your stacking challenge or anything coming up for us, you're more than welcome to write a quick review for us. So just tag Hack Swagbox Official and Bougie in the Backpack for your chance to win a $100 gift card. Thank you guys for listening today and we'll see you next week.